In this week's episode of the One More Rep podcast, tune into the first part of a two-part series as Brody and I go to Hilliard, Ohio, and meet up with the owner of Endeavor Defense and Fitness, Aaron Janetti. Welcome to the One More Rep podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. And now for your host, Mo Dingo. Welcome to the One More Rep Podcast, where we take you beyond the barbell. I am your host, Mo Dingo, and across from me is Brody. What's up, bro? What's up, buddy? So today, we've taken a little trip outside of Dayton, headed down I-70 to Hilliard, Ohio, to come and talk with someone who uh, is pretty in the fitness community. Well, I, I mean, fitness, defense, and we're here at Endeavor Defense and Fitness with Aaron Janetti. Aaron, how's it going, brother? Not too bad, man. Excited to be here. Hey, thanks well, for having excited us. Excited to be at my own gym. <laughs> excited for you to be here. As I'm excited to be, be here. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> we're excited to be here. And, and thanks for granting us this time to talk to you and just getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, for sure, man. Excited. So, so tell us, who is Aaron Janetti? Oh, man. Existentially or... <laughs> uh, no. So, I, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a teacher by trade. Um, so I just, I love teaching people. So I, I own, uh, one of the co-owners here at Endeavor Defense and Fitness. Uh, I got two other guys that, that, uh, help me run the place, um, that are phenomenal dude and AJ. Um, and then I travel around, I teach a lot of, uh, self-defense seminars, I mm-hmm. teach, uh, seminars on active shooter, things like that. Uh, I opened first CrossFit affiliate in August of 2008. Um, so we'll be coming up on, uh, nine years. Well, we're past nine years, but coming up on 10 years next year, as far as affiliation goes. Yeah. That's pretty Um, significant. It's, it's been a hot minute. It's, it's been a little while. It's crazy to think of the way things were in 2008 as, as opposed to now. One or two changes. Yeah. Yeah. Just slightly. (laughs) Well, I'm sure Uh, if you look back even to like 2012, things are significantly different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it in like segments, right? So there's like the. There's the OGs, the originals. It's just like the people that have affiliated like 04, 05, mm-hmm. 06. And then like my era, the, everybody jokes around. It's like the pre-Bach era. So like before <laughs> Reebok, <laughs> you know, in 2010. I've never heard that Yeah, before. the pre-Bach era is like before 2010. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the the badge of honor is that my affiliation fees every year are still $1,000. Mm-hmm. So sorry, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we opened, uh, we were originally, now this is a funny story. So we were originally uh, CrossFit Columbus. Okay. Because back in the day when you first affiliated, it was pretty much your city and then CrossFit. Yeah. That's the way it was. Well, that's a problem. The first gym <laughs> was Rogue. So we were the second official affiliate in Columbus. The first gym was Rogue. Okay. Rogue was Columbus CrossFit. We were CrossFit Columbus. Yeah. Right? Nobody thought this was a big deal at any point in time. <laughs> Nobody really thought about it because we were, you know, we were Ohio Krav Maga at the time and they were Rogue Fitness. Like we didn't really go by our affiliate name, mm-hmm. right? So, so, okay, fine. So we make these shirts like, you know, Columbus CrossFit, but we're going on. And uh, like two years into it, HQ sends an email. Hey, so <laughs> we were. Let's be thinking, realistic. Rogue is going to make millions of dollars. They're way bigger than you. You're yeah. going to need to change your name. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> right? And, you know, like. Did I, they at least let you do it for free? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah there was no change there. Uh, and I, you know, I went to Rogue. So before we opened the affiliate, I, I went to Rogue Fitness back when they were just a little, little tiny little gym over in Gehanna. Um, total blast. Like yeah. it was, it, I learned a hell of a lot there. It was a good time. But so that was funny. So then we were like, all right, cool. We'll change our name. Then we were CrossFit OKM. And then when we switched over to here, we became CrossFit Endeavor. So technically I had three names. But, uh, 
Yeah, so so uh, opened the affiliate two thousand eight, and um, kind of dropped out of college, stopped my job, started mm-hmm. doing this full time, and never really turned back. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's had to make it work. Exit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you dive in head first. You got no choice. You either do it good or or you don't know, do on the side good. of the road. Yeah, yeah. it's worse to- now because I got I have two kids and an amazing wife, and now if I fuck up, oof. <laughs> You know, like back in the day when I was a bachelor, like we were joking around before we actually like officially started recording. But first four years, if I screwed something up, I was a bachelor. Like I didn't, yeah. nothing, didn't, nothing really mattered. But you'll get PBR now. instead of Bud Light. You're right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. High life. High life. I okay. was a high life kid. Bottle so. or can? Uh, well, I mean, long necks is what you want <laughs> if you're going to do it. But I mean, I'm not going to turn down a high life can. Now he's drinking eleven dollar four packs. <laughs> yeah, yes, he is. <laughs> I, I would like to say that my taste has gotten slightly better. Just a little bit. But yeah. I still enjoy a refreshing PBR. Uh, brand new. You know, I never got on the PBR train. <laughs> I mean, I tried because the Rivari room had like $1.50 pitchers of PBR. But wow. Yeah. It's Ohio State campus. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So, so you said uh, that the facility here, you have mm-hmm. different offerings. So you have yes. CrossFit, you have MMA, you have self-defense. Yeah, so we do uh, CrossFit. Uh, we have a full-blown CrossFit program. Inside of the CrossFit program, we do uh, an endurance class. We do an unloaded program, so uh, no barbell work. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower prerequisites to get into that course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a uh, self-defense program. So the self-defense program is very heavily based in Krav Maga, uh, which is an Israeli hand-to-hand system. But it's not the traditional Krav Maga. Uh, we implement a lot of stand-up wrestling, a lot of grappling, a lot of boxing, Thai boxing, stuff like that. So it's a little, it's a little different than what you would see at some Krav gyms. And so, then we have oh, okay, go ahead. Go, no good. No, I would say then we have uh, uh, fight conditioning classes. So we have okay. bag classes called Hit Fit. We have a full blown Brazilian Jiu Jitsu program. Uh, we do yoga once a week, um, and then we do a lot with all of our athletes. We do a lot of. Uh, like prehab, rehabilitation, uh, proper breathing, bracing, core stuff that we implement kind of all out. So we'll do little mobility seminars and things like that. Okay. Firearms training, knife stuff, a little bit of everything. So then what brought you into this area? I mean, what's your background? Yeah. Uh, nothing. <laughs> so um, I, I, you know, I tell the story all the time. I was the, the adventures of Endeavor and where it's come and, and where I've come at least realistically, man, it goes back. I was a student at Ohio state university and I was paying my way through college and I just ran out of money. I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of in a, a shitty place, a pretty dark place. So mm-hmm. didn't have the money, had to drop out for a quarter. I went back to Youngstown. You know, I, I worked for a landscaping company. I used to work for, try to save up some money, things like that. How old were you? So that would have been, man, what? 2000. Seven, end of 2007. So it would have been my junior year. Oh, um, so you were pretty deep into your college career. By yeah, then. I had flipped from engineering to landscape architecture, which set me back a year. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it would have been like kind of my junior year-ish, my third year at Ohio State. And uh, so I went back to Youngstown, uh, worked for a landscaping company that, that I'd worked for before, which was great. Um, uh, Darren B. Conder is like one of the father figures in my life. He's a good guy. But uh, it was just in a shitty spot, you know. Mm-hmm. I, just, I didn't know I wanted to go to college. Life happened. Yeah, shit happens. Yeah. So I finally made my way back. I was getting ready to go to the next quarter. And uh, I, I literally, I shit you not, I saw uh, on Fight Quest, the, the old show they used to yeah. have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I was watching Fight Quest, and one of the commercials was for Ohio Krav Maga and Fitness. And I was like, well, fuck it, I want to go do some martial arts, punch some stuff. That ought to feel good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I literally, I went and I took an intro, and I, I shit you not, I never left. Okay. I, uh handed him a check for my first month of membership. I had no idea. I thought it was going to bounce. I didn't have any fucking money. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know. I feel like I should be here. I'll figure rent out later. 
And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I just honestly, I just never left. And the, the guy that ran that, Mark Slane, uh, he really took me under his wing. He did a lot for me, bought me my first gi. He only charged me for two months. After mm-hmm. two months, he started realizing I was broke and mm-hmm. I needed it. And he was like, look, I stopped charging you. Just keep coming. And I was like, fuck. Well, you knew you, you were, you were going to have to live there. If you, <laughs> yeah, valid. So I might as well just give that's you a valid, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it just kind of, it just kind of blew up from there and I just, I never left. So I started in self-defense. Okay. Uh, I didn't start in CrossFit. And then one of the instructors over there at Ohio Krav Maga was going to Rogue. Okay. Uh, and so he would come over and he would do some fun little fitness classes, but they weren't exactly CrossFit. They were just kind of, he would beat the fuck out of us for an hour. And So Rogue actually spot. does have an affiliate in their so they rogue started just as a gym so the story of rogue if you ever have an opportunity to look into it is phenomenal in its own right because bill and troy the original owners of rogue they literally just used to do workouts at the dam so i went over there i started taking classes over there um troy the old owner over there was actually the guy that put me through my elements classes which is what they called it back in the day and uh learned a lot of cool shit there and then uh so that's how I got into CrossFit. And then the guy that owned the gym was like, hey, look, I want to open up a gym on the other side of town. I'm looking for somebody to manage it. Would you be interested? And I'm fucking 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no money. And he's Four like, I can, homeless. Yeah, I can pay you $1,000 a month to work, you know, 70 hours a week. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you have so, me yeah. $1,000. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Is that three zeros? Uh, so, so, yeah. So that, I mean, that pretty much nailed it. I, I attempted to maintain going to classes and I attempted to maintain my other job, but I just, I cared way too fucking much about the gym and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it just made sense. So I ended up dropping out of school and I ended up, uh, leaving my job, but you know, I, I chipped away. And again, I was lucky. I was 21, 22 freaking years old. Mm-hmm. I could live off a thousand dollars. It didn't yeah. really matter. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. So that's how that started. I mean, I think that's really cool. We were just talking when he quit his job and he stopped going to school because of his passion. And we talked previously that, that's the leap that people don't take. Yeah. They, they want to do it, all right? It sounds great, but they get married to the, the, the safety, safe, and, security. The safety and security yeah. of, well, if I go to college, this will happen. Well, what are we finding out now? You can have a college degree and you don't make anything. Yeah. You have debt when you leave college yeah. nowadays, right? So if he didn't make that leap, right, for 1000 bucks, of course he had to because <laughs> that was a lot of money, but <laughs> if he didn't take that chance and he didn't make that leap, he wouldn't have, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. Yeah. Right. True. With him. Well, we'd be doing it. I do this, yeah, <laughs> well, actually, you we, know what? It. We wouldn't be doing it yeah, because, because you wouldn't yeah, have a gym. I wouldn't have, I mean, he was a huge influence. Yeah. I mean, I had decided to start a gym before I talked to him, but his influence and his knowledge that he passed on to me for nothing. I reached out on Facebook. I, I competed at the one, I forget what Arnold it was, is after the, um, when you did the total, cross so the total. The, the Arnold? So that was the first one that we ever did. That was in the ballroom. Yeah. So yeah. Hold we on did. for a second. For, so for those of you that aren't familiar with the Arnold, it is? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, so the Arnold Classic is something that happens here in Columbus every year. It's This is the 30th year, I believe. Uh, or it might be 40th. 30th. But uh, anyway, it's a massive sport event. It's larger than the Olympics. So it has twice the amount of sporting events that the Olympics has. It has twice the amount of athletes the Olympics has. It brings in something like 400,000 fucking people. I mean, it's insane. And looking um, through the catalog, I'm pretty confident in saying that every sport known to man has some sort of yeah, element in this Representation event. in some yeah. form or fashion. The larger general gym sports, uh, as far as like basketball, baseball, football, they're represented in the kids' programs, mm-hmm. so they don't have like their own thing uh, nearly as much. But every other, sh- every strength sport, every uh, Olympic sport, you know, obviously within the confines of what we can do, like they can't do mobile skiing or anything mm-hmm. along those lines. But um, there's martial there's arts. Every, I mean, there's, there's yeah, there's all the martial yeah. arts. 
Uh, there's fencing. I mean, Jesus, there's painting for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they really do have everything. It's kind of cool. Highland games got added last year. Rob McKeeman runs that. Um, you know, he's uh, one of the founders over here at Endeavor. So it's, it's huge. It's a massive, massive mm-hmm. event. We were blessed. And, and again, you, you know, you kind of go back to the theory of it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. Yep. Uh, the only reason that I got the gig as the chairman for the Arnold was because I knew Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had gone to the gym, and uh, he heard about Validus Games, which was a small event that we ran. And he was like, hey, uh, you ran an event. It sounded like it went really well. Um, you know, CrossFit HQ is pulling out of the Arnold. They've just, it was at the time where the open was just blowing up and mm-hmm. they just, they had bigger fish to fry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he goes, would you be interested in taking over the, not the CrossFit section, the CrossFit Endeavor functional fitness section, mm-hmm. as we are not sanctioned by CrossFit. Right. Uh, but are you, you know, you interested in taking over the section of it? And like, again, like I was joking around earlier about like the podcast type thing. Like, I don't think shit through. I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, let's do that. You want me to manage 350 athletes at yeah. an event for three days that's like $20,000? Totally. Let's do that. That sounds fantastic. And I remember like hanging up the phone and putting it down and looking at my business partner and going, so we're running the Arnold in three months. <laughs> and three he months. was like, three, yeah. three months? I go, yeah, it was December. And it's in March every year. So we got the gig in December. So yeah. I had to organize an event book all of the athletes and do everything. We had three months to get it done. And that was our audition. They told us, if you don't do good, you're, you're, you're out. Done. We don't yeah. need, you know, CrossFit. So, yeah, so we got into that, and uh, it turned out great. We smoked it that year. Some Assembly Required joined us. We had some adaptive athletes. Okay. We had four or five of the, the top-level games, like uh, mm-hmm. Katie Hogan was there working out. Um, we had some people from South Africa. We had some people from England. So the Arnold pulls people. Like, I hate to say it, and, and this isn't like a – it's going to sound really bad for anybody that maybe has failed at the Arnold, but if you're given an event at the Arnold and you fail at it, you fucked up because mm-hmm. they're literally giving you 400,000 people. Mm-hmm. They're so, giving you a stage that's already successful. They're giving you a platform in which you can already charge X amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like if you fuck it up, it's because you dropped the ball on something. So all we had to do was run just like we were talking about. A clean, smooth, enjoyable event. That was it. And, and that's how you came. guys met. Well, yeah. So I, I, can, I, I competed there, and uh, I didn't even know him. You know, it just his. If you've never met Aaron, his personality is off the charts, just like his <laughs> fucking voice on this <laughs> monitor over here. But um, really cool dude. And so when we had finally decided to start a gym, mm. I literally just reached out to him. I, I didn't know him. All right, yeah. I just knew of him. I knew a little bit how he ran his event and his persona and his personality and um i just reached out and i said hey man i'm going to open a gym do you have time to sit down and maybe answer a few questions which was like two and a half pages of shit mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> and absolutely he did and i think it's a rare thing you see nowadays where that would actually happen yeah. right it takes it's unfortunate but very it's so unfortunate and i told him to this day or told him then still to this day that i will always pay that forward so anytime anybody comes for me for if I can help, I'm mm-hmm. going to help. I don't care about I don't care if you're the gym right beside me. Yeah. I don't care it, I don't care any anything about that. What mm-hmm. I care about is when I was opening up, I didn't have a mentor. Uh, my gym, I didn't have a mentor to lean on uh, as an owner. I didn't have anybody in the area that I knew that I could lean on. Mm-hmm. And he completely opened up to me and he saved me a lot of pitfalls, mm-hmm. right? And he's like, "Hey man, I guess let me back this up. One thing I've always appreciated is he didn't say, hey, do it this way. You do it this way and you do it this way. He said, 
I recommend trying it this way. In my experience. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that's a different, that's a different thing. He didn't say do this, do this, do this. He's like, try it this way, see how it works. And then, you know, you can play with it. And I still can't, I carry that philosophy to this day is I keep it, I keep it flexible. I, I give you control, but I'll give you guidance. And mm-hmm. that's what he did. And he gave me guidance, but I still had control. And I took the knowledge that he offered me and I used what I, what I wanted. Right. He mm-hmm. gave me a lot of knowledge. But I picked what I thought would work for me personally, and I applied it and then put my You're twist on, on it. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's what – he's not saying, hey, run it just like this. It's going to work. And you will succeed. You will. It, it can't happen mm-hmm. because I'm not him, mm-hmm. right? So it's totally different. And if you know anything about CrossFit or any type of gym, the the gym personality will take on the ownership's personality. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. God, yes. Right? So I can't apply – his personality because my voice don't get near as high <laughs> on the monitor. But um, so I couldn't apply that. But what I did take was all the knowledge he presented to me that would cost. I it's actually priceless, right? Because I'm doing now what I want to do for a living. Yeah. And um, I applied what I liked and and rolled with it. Yeah. So it sounds like you gained a lot of experience when you're managing that initial gym. Yes. So then. Oh, yeah. Take us to the next step, how you wind up here. Yeah, so um, so the, the the guy that, you know, and again, like I said, he took me under his wing. He, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for uh, Mark. Funny how that works, right? Right, exactly. Um, and that's the one thing, like, you know, admittedly, you know, Mark and I have had a falling out. We've bumped heads a couple of different times, and that's happened along the way. But you will never, ever, ever hear me say anything other than, I wouldn't fucking be here if it wasn't for Mark. I learned this, this, this. You know, you mm-hmm. always give credit where it's due. You don't need to trash people left and right. It just doesn't work that way. But he took me under his wing, man. I mean, he put money into me. Mm-hmm. And whether it's because he knew down the road it was a smart investment and he was going to make money or whatever, I don't fucking care. Like, he took that risk. He made that investment. He put time into me. He taught me a lot. So I managed uh, – uh, I was teaching originally – uh, over at his facility in Gehanna, I was doing a couple of things and he paid for my CrossFit certification, which is a thousand bucks and all of the, we did it in Virginia beach. So he drove us out there. He paid for the hotel room, um, paid That's for all the food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just go so down. he invested in you. Yes. Uh, hard. Yeah. Uh, the same month he sent me to Los Angeles to get my first out of state, uh, Krav Maga certification. Wow. Okay. So I was assisting and coaching under him, but you know, again, you know, as terrible as it is, knowledge is what really matters, but most people give too much, you know, they care too much about certifications. So he sent me off for my first thing, paid for that, paid for my flight, paid for my hotel room, gave me a stipend for food, paid for all that shit. He knew I was broke as hell. Mm-hmm. Sent me off to do that. August, uh, that same exact year, uh, when I got back, we started looking at buildings over in Hilliard, which is the other side of town, so about 30 minutes from where the original location was. In Hilliard, we're about, what, which is 10 minutes from Literally, if, yeah, so we're about 15 minutes west of the of downtown columbus um but yeah so we found a location out here and you know like i said he offered me a thousand bucks uh to run a facility i taught jesus at the time i don't know six classes a day did all the mopping did all the vacuuming Mm -hmm. um but you know like the the one thing that i really appreciated about mark was if he told you to fucking do something he did it with you you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, he didn't just go. Yeah, he didn't just go like, oh, I got this dumbass kid that's going to work for a thousand dollars. I'm going to make him do all the work. Like he would look at me and he would go, look. He goes, the best thing you can do is get to know your community. He goes, you go door to door, you pass out flyers, you talk to people, you let them know what the gym's about. And 
that motherfucker did it with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say, you go do it. I'm going to sit back here and drink my fucking coffee. He wasn't subjecting you to anything. Yeah. He wouldn't do himself. And he went. And he went out and he did it. And then when he realized I was doing that good, he would move on to the next thing. So he was good. He was a really, really, really good teacher. Him and I had a, I mean, he pretty much, again, was kind of like father figure in that aspect of it. Um, and so I ran the gyms for a little while. And then uh, he actually moved out of state. He got to a point where we opened three gyms. We had, so we had Gahanna, we had Lewis Center, we had Hilliard. Uh, he moved out of state. I ran the Hilliard gym. Um, Sue Burton ran the Gahanna gym. And then uh, um, Juan and his wife, Alexis, uh, ran the North gym. But he eventually got to a point where he wanted to sell the gyms. <clears throat> so he sells the gyms over. Uh, it was a little bit after that, probably about six to eight months after that, where I just approached the new owner and I just said, hey, you know, I've, you know, I've been running this gym forever. It's got my personality. We know it. I teach most of the classes. I would really, really like to buy this gym. Mm-hmm. And now you put her in a really awkward position, admittedly, and I will be the first person to admit it because, A, she had just bought the fucking place eight months ago. Right. And, B... And that was rare back then, right? Yeah. To buy a, oh, cro- a CrossFit or... Yeah, a CrossFit, any type, any type gym. Yeah. yeah. The way, especially the way it was handled, because it was handed down to somebody that had been working in the facility, and right, um, and you know, in, in in the new owner and I were actually pretty good friends, and uh, so I put her in an awkward position with that. And admittedly, Mark had asked me about a year and a half before, or mentioned to me about a year and a half before that he eventually wanted me to take over the Hilliard gym, and I was I was young, I was a fucking idiot, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that, and so <laughs> technically he had asked, right, yeah, right, and I was the one that was like, no. And so, so I did. I put her in a really awkward position. Uh, it didn't fit into her business plan. So I just said, hey, I'd like to open up my own place. Is that okay? And she was like, yes. Let's talk about where it would be and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, I would like to stay on the west side. I've built a little following here. I'll make sure it's away from the gym. So essentially the goal was where we're standing right now is just on another side of Hilliard. Now, Hilliard's not a huge town by any means. But it's still, um, it's still a drive. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, it's 12 minutes to get, 10, 12 minutes to get here. But uh so, yeah, so uh, one of my instructors, uh, Rob McKeeman, and I, we, we got together with our buddy Rob Pincus. Rob Pincus actually uh, lent all of the money, invested all the money to start, so he gave us $30,000 to do whatever we wanted, which, wow, if you really think about it, is a big chunk of money, it but is. to start a CrossFit gym is not a big chunk of money. No. <laughs> um, well, I'd say depending on the what the direction <clears throat> you had. You know, yeah, you talked the way about, we did it. Yes. But yeah. the, the, the one thing that I, that I joke around with people all the time is, what's the most expensive uh, what's the most expensive piece of equipment or accessory that is in your gym? And think past what you're thinking normally. Think about the most expensive expense that you fucking had. Install mats. Fucking flooring. <laughs> 100%. It's the flooring. Yeah. Right? And it's so, funny you say that because I have horses. Yeah. And I know how much those damn things Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we had, we were half the size right now, right? So we have four bays. We're standing in four bays that we now uh, have at this building. We had two when we started. So we had half the building space. So there was about 1,800 square feet for the self-defense side, and there was about 2,100 square feet uh, for the CrossFit side at the time. Mm-hmm. That's a lot and of install mats. That is a fuck ton of money on mats. Yeah. And we're too dumb to realize, like, we could probably get away with half the mat space for now right. and then grow yeah. up. We're no, like, you need it all right yeah, now. Yeah, we're like, mat the whole place, right? We have $30,000. Right. 28000 so is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but I shit you not, that's like seven grand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you right. look at people and be like, what was your biggest expense? It was $7,000 for you to stand on this fucking piece of rubber. Like, yeah. shit. So, you know, the money just, it goes fast, right? And keep in mind that the $30,000 that he gave us, uh, Rob still had a job, but I didn't. So it had to supply my income mm-hmm. until we could get to a point of stability where we could get into the black. Um, so again, 
I was given a blessing of four to four and a half years to learn it mm-hmm. under somebody else's guise to have somebody mentor me to walk me through it. I was able but to I come think over. But I also, more importantly, like you said earlier before we started talking, is that he stopped you from making bad mistakes. Yeah, yeah. He walked me through a lot of stuff. And I want to uh, touch on that because so you get these top-level athletes and they go to the gyms mm-hmm. and they have, a, they have a trainer. Their trainer is afraid to tell them what they suck at because they're, yeah. they're, they're their best athlete, right? Okay. So that yeah, athlete is always going to be stuck, uh-huh. right? They're not going to excel. They want the knowledge, but someone's too scared to tell them. This guy, he could have easily just said, Aaron, I'm paying you $1,000. You know, this is, these are your duties. But he led from the front. He told him, hey, yeah. let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. And what, what ended up happening, uh, he became what he is now, right, which is light years ahead. And that athlete, if they received the proper coaching as in, hey, you're doing this wrong and not being scared to tell them, yeah. how do you know you don't have a region or a games competitor now because – they got what they needed. They have the tools now from that person. Yeah, that little piece. Well, that's it's everybody, right? We we hate confrontation. We just we do. Well, I, just I don't mind general. it. <laughs> <I love laughs> well, yeah, I'm most weird. people hate yeah. confrontation. I'm the one percent. Uh, there's a really good book. I'm, I'm, I'm going to slaughter the name of it, but it's like the uh, the ten biggest faults in teamwork or something like that. But it's a great one. But the, one of the biggest things that they say, like rule number one, is confrontation is great. Like, it's how you solve problems. Like, mm-hmm. if you have an issue, you have to bring it up. Well, people and, uh, naturally think that confrontation has to be bad. hostile. It, it doesn't. Has to be bad. No, it doesn't. No, conf- confrontation is constructive. Right. If, if, you, can sit, if you approach it in a right. If you sit down and say, look, this is what I, this is how I feel. This is my problem. Okay. What do you think? And then they tell you, and they're complete polar opposites. But yeah. what ends up happening is the best possible idea and situation arises because two people sat down and talked. It wasn't, they weren't yelling and fighting. They're like, Hey man, you can be passionate about it, but you figure it out. And you, I tell you what, I mean, me and him, like he had no, I like, first off, I didn't know about a podcast. Like (laughs) I didn't even know this was happening. He just texts me random. Right. Hey man, we're doing a podcast. Oh, what? Well, he's he's like, Hey bro, you want to do a podcast? I'm like, what the hell's a podcast? What's a podcast? Like, I mean, I listen to them occasionally, and I'm like, why the why the hell would people want to listen to what I have to say? We kind of uh, covered this. That is, you know, yeah, that's right? a whole new thing. Right, yeah, yeah, like, who am I? I'm nobody. I'm, I'm in Dayton. They're like, they don't even know where Dayton is. But he originally had a, we were just talking about this on the side, he had a different idea of where this podcast was going to go. Yeah. When we sat down, I kind of, I guess, amped it up a little bit because – like when I get something, I'm 1,000 like mile an hour. Voice. You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yeah. 1,000 mile an hour, full bore. I'm not going to fucking, I'm oh making God, this. So work. we're going to do this and this and this and this and Dude, this. Dude, I was, yeah. I, <laughs> next day, I had fucking six months of content ready to go. <laughs> I was like, that's easy. I just copy and paste from my notes from all my anger, uh, 2 a.m. rants that I can't put on Facebook because I've kind of learned from my mistakes on that one. <laughs> right? You know how many sentences I've tied out or typed out on Facebook and I had to freaking delete? delete. I yeah. felt so good though afterward. Yeah. I was like, I still want to send it. But no, you sat down, you have an issue, sort it out. And that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah through, through, through this, you know, this constructive conflict comes resolution. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I would agree. Well, you know, uh, that that's, that, that's a huge thing that people can't overcome. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and again, I, I've been listening to a lot of Andy Purcell. He's one of the podcasts that I routinely listen to other ones. I kind of jump in and out of, but, uh, he just had a really good one where he was talking about this and he was talking about confrontation and you can, it's easy to overlook something because you don't want to fight with them or you don't think you should, but one of the biggest things that I think he said, I think a lot of people miss, is I might correct you on something and it might piss you off in the mm-hmm. moment, 
But if I actually give a fuck about your future and where you're going, I'm going to correct you you because it's going to make you a better person in the long run. And you can hate me in the process. Right. But I give a shit that you're going to get better at it. And this is what you're messing up. And if you don't do this thing and I allow you to keep going the other way, you're going to bury yourself. That's and I'm not going to allow not, that to happen. That's yeah. worse than not trying to help. Exactly. You. So it's, a, but that's a tough one, man. It's, it's hard for people to see that because the first thing that's going to happen, I don't care who you are, is you're going to get pushback. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the way it is. I'm the same exact way. I like to think that I can approach situations very, very mellow minded, but I'm a freaking Italian. And the first thing, <laughs> That any, anytime anybody corrects me, says anything, my first initial reaction is always going to be no, fuck you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you learn to, to taper it back. So you're always going to have that initial pushback, that initial fight. It's what comes next after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, F you. I can't believe you called me out on that. I've been doing this 10 years, blah, 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 whatever. But then when I have a chance to sit down, I need to be able to sit down and go, what? You know what? There's a. There's a reason that was said and how I make that fix and then be able to then come back and say, hey, you know what? I know I kind of lashed out at you, but you were absolutely right about that situation. I, I apologize the way I reacted to it. Yep. A little defensive, but it's a really good point. I plan on changing. Yeah, That's it, tough. And in my younger days, well, whenever <laughs> someone would try to give me feedback, yeah, my I would instantly get pissed off because mm-hmm. like, you think it's it, negative. So a couple of times I've been in installations where I'm the, literally the only person that can do my job. Yeah. And people would come and say, hey, have you ever thought about this? Blah, blah, blah. And I would get pissed off. But then I got to a point where I was like, why am I getting pissed off? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are they attacking me? No. Are they trying to help me? Yes. And then once I was able to get over that, yeah. then I started to grow, you know, more as a human being and, yeah. as, and as a leader and a coach. Well, and the, one of the, well, the most amazing things when you think about like uh, – like the experience play, which is essentially what that is. Like I have more experience. I am this person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you puff and that, your and chest. That, yeah, and that was the T-shirt that I always wore. Yeah. I know more than you do. Yeah. yeah. And the problem with that is, well, first off, you'll never learn because then you'll never be able to go. Like if I one day freaking decided that, you know what? I've been coaching for 10 fucking years in CrossFit. I know everything. I'm incredible. I'm not going to learn anything because mm-hmm. there's stuff that's changing. It's evolving. You got to be able to adapt. You got to be able to learn. So I'll never be open-minded. But the other end of that when you go into it is – what I have learned over the last couple of years is sometimes just because I have the experience, actually because I have the experience, I'm missing shit that I'll never see because somebody else with a different set of eyes mm-hmm. is the one picking it up. Mm-hmm. Like one of the, 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 you know, a pretty easy analogy or an easy example, like think about for the business, you start making apparel, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, I like this shirt design. I like this shirt design. I like this shirt design. It doesn't fucking matter if I like it. Yeah, they gotta like it. <laughs> yeah, it's got like you're not the one buying. Like, it. Yeah, like unless I'm gonna buy my own shit, so I'm spending my own money. I'm not making any money anyway, <laughs> right? And so you have to be able to pull yourself back, and you have to go, okay, what was their feedback? Where did that feedback come from? What were their experience levels, right? So if I go out and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna teach a course, and let's take active killer stuff because that's that's a lot of what I'm doing right now with with writing and traveling around the U.S. and teaching, is. I'm a hard line when it comes down to self-defense. Like I'm, it's the way I was raised. Uh, it's the way I receive information the best. Like I, I need it like beat into me. Mm-hmm. Like I learned, I was really good at learning sparring by getting the shit kicked out of me. Like I was able to take lessons from that. Most what people not can't to do. do that. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm a hard line. So if I go out, my thought process behind self-defense is if you don't train self-defense, you're fucking letting yourself down. You're letting your family down. And, and a little bit of me thinks you're a piece of shit. That's a that's a hard freaking line to take, mm-hmm. but the reality of it is, the, you know, the day we live in, the you know, there's violence. It's the way it is. And it's the you, fucking reality. Yeah. So, but me going out and saying, saying that, that and doing it in that way <laughs> is not getting people to do it right. So when we go out and we do these seminars, 
what I've started to learn was when I first started doing it, I, I was in a rhythm. I was in a groove. I felt good about what I was teaching. I had a content. I had a syllabus. We ran through the material. I hit my outline. I did things really, really well. But I started realizing I would, you know, I'd lose this person. I'd lose that person. Or I feel like this person wasn't trailing off. And when I started like reaching out to them and going like, hey, you know, what's, what's on your mind? What's going on? And they would say, well, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about that? Well, if I shut them off because I was like, who the fuck are you? I'm the self-defense instructor. Like, you're the third grade teacher. Well, I need to be thinking about self-defense from a third grade perspective. Mm-hmm. If a middle school teacher uh, is confronted by a fucking 13 or 14-year-old kid with a gun, for me, the way that I was raised and into it, it's easy. I'll smash that fucking kid into the ground. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's her student. She's been literally wired and trained to take to care of this, this person no person, matter what. No matter what, yeah. That's a different psychology. So I would miss that complete, or I would be giving a false sense of security to that complete area of people if I didn't take two seconds to go, you don't know shit about self-defense, but you know a hell of a lot about the psychology of being a teacher let me hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's a, it's, a, it's a tough spell to swallow. And I'm, I'm the first one, again, I'll be the first one to admit it. My first initial reaction always is, do you know how many fucking hours I've spent <laughs> teaching this and researching this? Like, do you know, you know? And you have to take a step back and go, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, there's still so much to learn about You have this. to get out of your own way, right? Yeah, and, it's tough. And what's cool is, did you seek her out? Or see, do you... If you lose someone, you see them falling off, you have a conversation. I, now I try to grab them in the middle right. of it. Like I, you, can, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell when people are comfortable Zoning and out. uncomfortable. Yeah, right. You can tell. And, and I've gotten to a point where I like to think, and I've been, I've been proved wrong a couple of times, but I like to think I can tell the difference between I don't believe in the material as opposed to I just don't want to fucking be here. Right. Uh, and you can usually tell the difference between those two. Uh, but if I see that going on, I, I'll finish whatever I'm talking about go through the drill and so that I don't isolate them and put them on the spot in front of everybody, right. get everybody moving and working. And then I kind of grab that person mm-hmm. to go like, Hey, well, you know, what's on your mind? You look like you're off on this. Uh, like when I said that one line, you, you know, I saw a look in your face, like, you know, what was that? Mm-hmm. I, and I want to know, like, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not over here to call you out and tell you to shut up and listen to what I'm saying. And I'm a genius. Like, I want to know what is your thought process? Why did that not click to you? Mm-hmm. Because if you can give me an answer that not only saves you, but then saves three or four or five mm-hmm. or six or seven other people that I can relate to. And I can write an article on it and, and maybe associate it into a book somehow so that I'm actually able to help people. Like that's huge. And especially in like this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you know, not saying, you know, in CrossFit, we change fucking lives in CrossFit day in and day out. Right. But I can literally fucking get somebody killed if I'm not doing something appropriate when I, if they do find themselves in a violent in situation. situation mm-hmm. Right, right. So if you, I mean, you have to listen to it. That brings to an end part one of our interview with Aaron Janetti. While you're waiting for part two, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us gain some traction and improves our algorithm. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the One More Rip podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rip Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. See, like, you guys did it right. What's that? Like, when I was like, I'm gonna do a podcast, I don't think things through. I don't know if you ever noticed that about me, but generally I just dive into shit. Uh, so I, I was like, oh, I don't, look, I, I found don't. a microphone. <laughs> Guess who does a fucking podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to get on Craigslist here and type in podcast. Right. Love it.